Brian has now resorted to sending me pictures of beautifully poured Guinness, and I'm telling you right now, it ain't gonna work, Brian. I'm not drinking till March. I'm doing a dry February. It's for my health. It's for my wife's health. Mostly, it's just for me. I can't sleep on it. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We spent a lot of time in the last segment talking about Bill Belichick and Malcolm Butler. But, of course, the number one story here in Pittsburgh tonight is Marc-Andre Fleury returning. And the guy's not a saint. He's not somebody who's cured cancer. He did not discover the vaccine for polio. He's just a really nice guy who happened to win a lot of games for your favorite hockey franchise. But all that being said, the fact that he's being canonized, the fact that he's going to blow the roof off this place, the fans are, for him, is because other professional players in professional sports suck. Not enough of these guys act the way that they should. Marc-Andre Fleury acts the way anybody should in that position. And he should be recognized for that because not enough other guys do it now maybe i'm selling mark a little bit short here uh, mark has donated his time and money to people who are less fortunate than him mark andre Fleury did what he didn't have to do and became a role model for matt murray he's a good dude but they're not enough good dudes around sports here's one though vince communal vince the communist communal joins me now on the Crowley Show. Uh, Vince, how are you today, my friend? Pretty good. A little cold. Pretty good. A little chilly outside. Apparently tonight it's going to be awful. Yeah. Awful. Not, not looking forward to tonight or tomorrow. No, nor am I. Although I already saw it. next Tuesday, it's supposed to be in the 50s, which means I'm going to get out there and shoot a little hoops, but nobody really cares about that. Vince, tonight's going to be weird. That's the word that comes to mind just going to be weird. Marc-Andre Fleury's going to get a lot of applause. Matt Murray's the goaltender of the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you think it's going to be like in there? Yeah, it's going to be a very uh, surreal atmosphere. I think I think most Penguin fans are rooting for the Penguins to win 2-1 uh, to one in overtime with uh, Crosby scoring his 400th goal right. in overtime. I, I think that would be the ideal outcome or maybe even one nothing. I don't know, something like that. But uh, yeah, I can't really think of another athlete that is going to get the kind of reception that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to get tonight. And I'm not saying this to exaggerate. I mean, I think that as far as beloved athletes go, he ranks right up there, maybe a tier below Mario and Roberto Clemente. I mean, I think he's that loved in the city. Yeah, and it just shows the value of being a good person, which is what's so striking to me. Because Marc-Andre Fleury did a lot of great things for this hockey team and this hockey community. No question about it, but there are better players who have come back here. Yamir Yager, and what he means to this franchise exceeds, in my opinion, what Marc-Andre Fleury means to this franchise, and yet that guy gets booed every time he comes back. There are other circumstances surrounding it, but have you ever seen anything like this? Does anything come to your mind of a player going back to a place where he started his career getting this kind of reception and having this kind of buildup. It's palpable right now, the buildup. I mean, maybe Brett Favre going back to the Packers, but but even that, he left there on kind of bad terms. Right, and, and he know, played for their biggest yeah, rival. he's playing for their biggest rival. Um, no, I, I really can't think of a, an example of, of something like that. I mean, 
there's examples of guys after they're retired coming back and getting that type sure. of reception, but not an active player. And it's kind of funny, you know. I've I've read a lot of articles, and it's in all, your whole life, yeah, in my whole life. Oh, okay, is, Mr. Mr. Smart guy. Yeah. Uh, you've read a lot of articles. Uh, I've read a lot of articles on this subject, and it's almost like uh, the we're giving Mark Andre Fire like a lifetime achievement award or something tonight. But the fact of the matter is. This is actually maybe a preview of a Stanley Cup final matchup. I mean, it, it you know this isn't like the feel-good story. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury comes back as you know the goaltender of this terrible expansion team. They're the best team in the West by right? three points, and you know the Penguins need these points. You know, a lot of I've I've, re- I've read a lot of blogs and I've read a lot of blogs in my life too. Yes, you have. And uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, if the Penguins lose tonight, uh, that's okay. It's Flurry." No, it's not okay. The Penguins need every point they, they can get need right them. now. And uh, you know, good story be damned. The Penguins need the two points. Which team's more likely to go to the Stanley Cup final, in your opinion? That 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 is really a tough question. Um, probably the Penguins, just because yeah, they've been there. I, but at the same time, but that goalie for Vegas, he's been there before he, too. He has. Um, and it's not like the Golden Knights are a team that is filled with players that have never played in playoff games before. They they, they don't have a lot of Stanley Cup winners, I'll, I'll give you that, but they, they do have players on that team that have played in many playoff games before, so they're not like the typical you know young team that's just you know making the playoffs for the first time. They have experienced guys on that team. So I would say the Penguins are definitely out of the two more likely to go to the Stanley Cup final, but it would not shock me at all if to see the Golden Knights in the final. We'll get to them more specifically coming up at about 5.40 here on the Crowley Show, uh, but more on Marc-Andre Fleury. Lifetime Achievement Award is a really good way for you to put it, Vince, because Marc-Andre Fleury had his really good moments here in Pittsburgh, and then there were some moments that were not so great, and a lot of that I thought got kind of thrown at his feet undeservingly so at times. That Philadelphia series was awful, but it was awful for freaking everybody. For everybody. Uh, that wasn't just him. That's the entire team coming unhinged. How do you think Marc-Andre Fleury was appreciated in his time as a Penguins goaltender? How do you think fans treated him, fairly or unfairly? Um, I think for the most part, the fans treated him pretty fairly. I think it was a vocal minority that really kind of called him out uh, you know, specifically for that flyer series, and a lot of people, you know, especially in Canada, they remember him for the flub that he had in the World Junior Championships when he was 18 years old. I mean, now that sucks. Yeah, an 18 year old yeah, shooting exactly. a puck off someone's ass, well, and then he gets thought about. That they think about that for the rest of his career. Well, F them, man. Yeah, that's what some in the Canadian media do, unfortunately. But like I said, I think for the most part that the fans treated him well here and really appreciated what he did here, and it was just the vocal minority that really uh, kind of got out there on blogs and, and you know in other avenues and kind of gave him a hard time about some of the hard times that he had here. But I mean, he had he had a rough time in that Flyer series. He had a little bit of a hard time in that Islander series where Thomas Vokun came yes. in for him. But I mean, for the most part, he was a pretty big part of uh, three Stanley Cup championships here. He was, and that's how I'll remember him, and I think that's how most will remember him, obviously, given the reception he's going to get tonight, but I don't want it to be revisionist history, and the people who bashed him, I, I don't, I, obviously there's no way to tell, I don't want to see those people cheering tonight, like, screw them, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury did not deserve some of that criticism when it happened, and I think that that largely came from the Penguins fans who aren't the brightest, uh, the the hangers-on, the bandwagon-type fans, uh, the fans that every time they see the puck go in the back of the net, they think it's the goalie's fault. Uh, case in point, we were at Walmart 
watching the Penguins in 2008 lose to the Detroit Red Wings. And Marc-Andre Fleury laid back. Wait laid, a minute, wait a minute. What, you were at Walmart? I'll get, th- I'll okay. get there. Okay. When Marc-Andre Fleury laid back on the puck, and the puck trickled into the back of the net, mm-hmm. this dude at Walmart flipped out. F you, Marc-Andre, you're terrible. What are you doing scoring on your own net? Real reason we were in Walmart is because we were watching it most. We were young at the time. Okay. And Moe's closed. And the closest place to us was Walmart that had a TV that we okay. could get to without missing any of the games. So we went to the stupid-ass Walmart. And then we got kicked out because I knocked a few things down after the Penguins lost. But this guy blamed Marc-Andre Fleury for the loss, and it's just idiotic. So I hope that that minority... I hope they don't find their way into PPG Paints Arena tonight. Exactly. And, you know, the opposite side of that coin, I see the same thing with Matt Murray when the Penguins are struggling earlier this season. He, uh, you know, he wasn't playing at the top of his game, but at the same time, the team was not playing at the top of their game. And, you know, you read all these comments on Twitter and wherever, and they're, you know, they're blaming all these losses solely on Matt Murray. And really, I thought that he was, was playing pretty well, not at the top of his game, but playing well enough, and the team wasn't playing well in front of him. So it. You know, it's the same way. It, like you said, it, it's a little bit of, you know, the uneducated fan sometimes thinks that just the puck goes in, so it's the goalie's fault. Right. And that's 90% of the time not the case. What's the ideal outcome for Penguins fans? And I want you to chime in at 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I think if you really care about Mark Andre, but you want to see the Penguins continue their hot play of late, you got to hope for one nothing, something like that, yeah. two to one, maybe an overtime game. Give Mark Andre his point, let him show that he's still got it, but yet the Penguins win the game and find a way to move forward in the standing. Yeah, I think that's the ideal outcome. Either a, you know, one nothing, two to one type of game. Uh, I mean, if it goes to overtime or a shootout and the Penguins end up winning, giving up a point to a Western Conference team that doesn't matter. No, but. At the same time, like I said, the Penguins really need all the points that they could get right now. I mean, they've, they've played well of late. That game in New Jersey, they, they were kind of due for a, a letdown, a, a back-to-back situation, travel, whatever. They, they, you know, that happens over the course of a season. But, yeah, ideal tonight, uh, 2-1, 1-0 type of score in overtime maybe. And uh, maybe we see Sid get that uh, 400th goal. I, I could see Sid. That's weird. I could see, That's just weird. Yeah, I could see Sid getting the 400th goal and then Mark andre picking the puck up out of the net and handing it to him. <laughs> That would be a mind-effing experience. It would be. But uh, I don't think there's going to be any sense of normalcy at all about this game tonight. No, there's not. And my emotions are certainly going to get thrown for a loop in this one. Uh, I've told this story before, but the Christmas gift that I really remember above any other Christmas gifts was getting Marc-Andre Fleury Coho jersey back in the day uh, when I was... 13 years old. I mean, that's how, like, since I've been a sports fan, Marc-Andre Fleury had been the goaltender here uh, and my favorite player. Uh, And my parents, I wanted it. Greedy little kid I was. And I had gotten my other knickknacks and stuff like that, and I didn't have the jersey. And I was upset. I didn't say anything. Mom goes, hey, can you grab a present from the next room? And I go in there, and I open it. It's a Marc-Andre Fleury jersey. And so for me... It stinks because anything that the Penguins do well, anything that winds up in the back of the net, it's going to hurt that guy a little bit. Uh, It's not like where a defenseman comes back to town, right? And Mm -hmm. you can score goals against other players on the ice. Uh, It's not like a forward comes in. It's the goalie. The puck goes in the net, 
he's going to scoop it out and be all kinds of pissed. Like, it just it churns some things up in me, man. Well, if it's any consolation, he did beat the Penguins earlier this year. So You know what? That's true. Chase the guy. Yeah. Pull, get him out of there. Get him pulled. <laughs> if Crosby scores 400 on Marc-Andre Fleury, that's going to go down in history, man. And it's going to be... It's going to be one of those trivia questions of all time. It's 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 just such a bizarre situation, I, and I think uh, even even for me, I I oftentimes will go to the visitors' locker room afterward. It'll be weird to walk in there and see Mark Andre Fleury. I, I have a quick funny story about Fleury. I would, one of my favorite memories of him is uh, I was interviewing him one time, and he's he's you know flailing his arms, talking about the save he made, and he knocks my recorder out of my hand. And it lands right on top of his goalie pads that are sitting right by his locker there. And he, being the guy that he is, he stops the interview, reaches down, picks up my recorder, hands it back to me, and then he says in his in his voice that I'm not even going to try to attempt to <laughs> recreate. He says, "Do I get a save for that one too?" And I just, it's just you know, it's just a little funny anecdote, you know, the uh, memory that I have of him, and just, the, you know, another example of the, the type of guy that he was that most athletes would never stop no, in an interview, pick up your talking. recorder, yeah. you know, so just uh, just another example of what a great person he is. Well, I touched on that at the beginning of the show, and I touched on it at the beginning of this segment, that Mark Andre's a good dude in a era and in a profession where there might not be a lot of good dudes. Now, I think it's different in the NHL, there are a lot more yeah. good dudes, but you go across professional sports, and there are some pricks. I mean, that's just a reality. Yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury, not one. Is it as simple as that? Is it as simple? I mean, obviously he's had successes on the ice, but I mean, he he wasn't far and away a top-five goalie in the league during his time in Pittsburgh either. I think the thing that separates him is the smile and the fact that he was always cordial to media, even more so. That, that's what it's about. And I think uh, it's just kind of a – Unfortunately, and it's an exception today with athletes rather rather than the rule where you have a guy that's you know as cooperative with the media, great in the community as Mark Andre Fleury has been and continues to be. I mean, just look at the last thing that he did here before he left. He built a playground. He he knew he wasn't going to be here anymore, but he built a playground, and then he went on his way to Vegas. I mean, un, like I said, unfortunately, you know, you look compare the. The Penguins to the Steelers, and unfortunately, there are a lot of good dudes on the Steelers. Don't get me there wrong, are. but uh, you know the the stars of the Steelers sometimes get, you know you see not so good things in the media compared to things like Mark Andre Fleury well, did. Well, here's an example. I think Antonio Brown's a good dude. I don't necessarily think he's getting the best advice right. or is the the most courteous. He's shown up a couple of times late for the interviews with Dale Lawley and. With Jerry Dulac. He parked in a handicapped spot with the world's most expensive freaking car yeah. at training camp. He didn't, he used to not show up for his own radio show. Exactly. I mean, so That doesn't make you a bad guy, but it, you know, it's just something it, that Marc-Andre Fleury or other, other athletes wouldn't do. No, uh, other athletes would, if they're nice people and they're, they've got common sense, they would not do any of the right. things I just said. And... You know, Marc-Andre Fleury, I keep saying he didn't cure cancer. Marc-Andre Fleury did not invent the vaccine for polio. But being a nice guy can get take you places. And I think there's a lesson, obviously, to be learned there. Uh, when we come back, uh, Vince Communal joins me here on the Crowley Show. We're going to discuss what he's meant to Matt Murray and how difficult that situation had to have been on Marc-Andre Fleury. I also want your thoughts on what's going to be a weird night. 412 
922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. You're listening to The Crowley Show. Vince the Communist Communal joining me here on The Crowley Show. Seen a lot of Vegas Golden Knight jerseys up in here. There are a lot of them. You don't, up here. You don't really, uh, you don't really see a lot of other jerseys when teams come to Pittsburgh. There were a couple of McDavid's earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, that I understand. My God, that second goal he scored last night. How, I don't even. I don't understand the physics of that. They showed the replay of that on the NHL Network about three times, and I still don't understand. I don't believe how it. The, 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 it must have gone in the side, like a hole in the side yeah. of the net or something. It's like Crosby's uh, overtime goal against Tampa Bay, yeah. where it bent space and time to yeah, find it, its it, way into the back of the net. It defied uh, physics and logic. It's unbelievable what he did, but that's, I suppose, besides the point. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury tonight, uh, and a lot of fans going to be going nuts for Marc-Andre Fleury. Nobody who is in the right mind was really hoping that the Pens kept Flurry over Murray, right? No, I mean it just wouldn't have made any sense. I mean Flurry costs much more, and he's also ten years older. And not to mention the fact that Matt Murray did win two Stanley Cups. Yeah, he's pretty years. good. So, I mean, as great as Mark Andre Flurry has been and will continue to be for the next several years, it just didn't make any sense at all for the Penguins to keep him over Murray. What was Mark Andre's best save? in your estimation. Obviously, the Lidstrom one, yeah, pretty mean, freaking important. That, that's the most important one, I'd say. Um, that The save on uh, Ovechkin with the knob of his stick, that, that's, that's certainly one. Um, I mean, so many of them. One of the best attributes of Flurry was his quick movement from post to post. Some of those saves that he made just moving post to post it, it were just, you, you just did a double take. You said, did he really just get over there and make that save? I mean, some of the... Some of the glove saves I made, he made, but I mean, obviously the most important and probably the best one was that one on Lidstrom in the dying seconds of Game Seven to win the '09 Cup. How big of a role did he play for you last year in the Penguins winning the Cup? Because to me, you know, I don't, I know they don't beat Washington if he didn't play as well as he did. I don't know if they beat Columbus if he didn't play as well as he did. With the way that they started those first couple of games with the shot disparity. Well, I mean, if you just look at it from a pure math standpoint, he won nine games in route to the Stanley Cup, and Murray won seven. Not looking at it math-wise, uh, never going to make me. Yeah. <laughs> never going to make me do math on my own show. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, the way the way that they played in those first two rounds, if it wasn't for Flurry bailing them out, especially the Columbus series, we're not talking about the two-time Stanley Cup champions. I mean, I think that he was as vital, if not more vital than Matt Murray was to winning the cup. I know Murray was in there for the to win the Ottawa series and to win the the final series, but I think Mark Andre Fleury played more of a role than Murray did in winning those two the, the first two series. Oh, there's no than doubt. Murray did win in the last two series. Yeah, and I think the Penguins win against Ottawa with Mark Andre Fleury. I do as well. I thought that he had earned the right to play more than one game in that series. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, Co- Coach Sullivan just went back to went back to his guy, quote-unquote. Right. And I, I kind of, at the time, and still don't think it was fair to Flurry, but I understand why. It wasn't like there wasn't precedent 
for for what Murray could do. But I, I personally didn't think it was fair to Flurry, and I still don't. But hey, you can't, it's hard to argue with the results. In 2007-2008, Margaret Fleury was unbelievable in the playoffs. He was unbelievable. In fact, again. I think he's the only reason that they were able to win a couple of games in that step. I get the hiccups now. This will be interesting. Never had the hiccups on the air before. Uh, he's the reason why they won a couple of games in that final. Oh, absolutely. I think that he was the reason that they even got the six games that year. And I think that the Penguins, <laughs> maybe you need a beer. No. That's probably the problem. I don't need a beer. But, no, I I think that. I'm off the, I'm off the juice, man. Yeah, I think that. They even got to a game six in that the, the final that they lost because of Mark Andre Fleury. So, yeah, and then they had the confidence in Fleury the next season, knowing how good he played in that in the oh seven oh eight season to get back to the final the next year. Yeah, uh, that was definitely a, a big part of it. And I thought when Mark Andre Fleury won it, his first Stanley Cup at the age of twenty five, I thought, my God, how many more is this guy going right. to win? And he wound up being a reason why they won three Stanley Cups, because I'll go back to 2016, and they do not make the playoffs if Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't play as well as he did in those first couple of months with Mike Sullivan, as uh, Mike Johnson, Johnson pardon me, yeah. uh, as the head coach. Yeah, you're right. They, they wouldn't have the uh, the league's longest playoff streak right now if it wasn't for the play of Murray in that season. That was not a Fleury, good... look what you did. You said Murray. Oh, did I say Murray? You did. Yeah, Freudian slip. I guarantee you I've done that like four yeah. or five think, times today. I think Matt Murray was about 15 years old in that season. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely wouldn't have made the playoffs that year if it wasn't for Flurry. I mean, they had a late surge here just to get into the playoffs. I think they had to win their last game against Buffalo just to get into the playoffs. But Well, I'm talking about even, I mean, because I, I did say uh, Mike Johnson's first year. Yeah. Uh, his The second year when they – won the Stanley Cup. They got off to, to, to oh, such they a were terrible off, yeah. start. And Marc-Andre okay. Fleury, he was able to buoy him. That's my bad. Really, he was their best player for those couple of seasons when they weren't scoring at the clip we're used to seeing them score at. Oh, absolutely. Even you go back to the, the series where they lost to the Bruins in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. It wasn't the play of Marc-Andre Fleury that lost in that series. They didn't score any goals. They literally scored, I think, three goals in the entire series. I mean, I, I think they got swept or lost. In, I can't even remember. They got swept. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't Mark Andre Fleury's fault. It, the team just stopped scoring, and like you said, there were two or three seasons there where Fleury was the best player, and the team was kind of letting him down. So, um, yeah, I think I think when you just look back on it, I mean, I actually looked at the numbers today. When when you look at Mark Andre Fleury's numbers, he would actually be the winningest goaltender in franchise history for 28 of the 31 franchises. Holy crap! The only goaltenders that have more wins for one franchise are... Brodor. Es- Brodor, yeah, he's obviously at the top. Um, Esposito, but he played in 182 more games than Flurry did. And um, Lundqvist right now, but he's only a couple ahead of Flurry. So I-, I was shocked when I when I looked that up. Margaret Fleury's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, he's already... By the end of this season, he needs 17 more or 15 more wins, and he'll be 10th all-time in wins in NHL history. So, I mean... You know, you could say he played in front of a good team, which he certainly did, but there were three or four years there where he was the best player on the team, and the team kind of was, you know, he was carrying the team on his back. Vince Commonal joining me at the Terrace on 5th here on the Crowley Show as I fight through hiccups. Vince, you touched on it there briefly. He played for good teams. Mark andre Fleury did. I'm just going to battle through. You need a hiccup button instead of a cough button. 
I'm all for transparency, baby. And as long as I'm hiccuping, I got to do the show. The show will go on. And again, that's what good. Good. As, as good as Mark Andre Fleury, or as the players are that played with Mark Andre Fleury, the style of play the Penguins incorporate does not make it easy on the goalie. No, I mean he's he's the modern day uh, Grant Fuhr. Um or even go back to Tom Barrasso. I mean the Penguins played a a run and gun style back then, and Barrasso was always back there. To now buy. that guy was a d bag. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think you ever see his number hanging above the rafters uh, at. Uh, PPG Paints Arena, but I certainly think you'll see Mark Andre Fleury's there someday. It's just got to be so difficult to be a goaltender, and you come into this place, and of course you're gonna have an opportunity to win, but your numbers aren't gonna be what they could have been if you played somewhere else. If you played in New Jersey, or if you played in uh, New York, New York, uh, the way Lundquist has, mm-hmm. uh, his numbers I think could be in a in a place where people wouldn't question him getting into the Hall of Fame. People are gonna say, "Oh, he won all those games because he played on a good team." Well, okay, yeah, but he still had to be good. I mean, right. you, you can't win in this league with substandard goaltending. And I mean, look at look at Lundqvist. He's the perfect example. He's never won a cup. No. And he's playing on teams that are mostly defensive-minded. I mean, look at the Rangers this year. They're, they're pl- trying to win playing defensively because they can't score. And he, he, he's been to a final, and he lost. Um you know, look at some of the other goaltenders around the league that that have been successful in years past. They play in more defensively minded systems. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Martin Brodeur, but look at the way the Devils played in all those years that he played there. It was a defensive minded system, and sure, you know, obviously he's the greatest oh goaltender of all time. But they, the the system certainly helped him. I'm like I said, I'm not taking anything away from him, but that system definitely it helped. does help inflate the numbers. Yeah, there's absolutely. no doubt about it, and. You know, Matt Murray's got better numbers in the playoffs than he does in his regular season. One of the reasons for that is because the Penguins are trying to collapse in the defensive structure around him. Things are tough, tougher to come by. I This is killing me, by the way. <laughs> the scheme, the system, it absolutely affects the numbers. Marc-Andre Fleury, as far as I'm concerned, should go into the Hall of Fame and will go into the Hall of Fame one day. Vince Common will join me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Vince, I think that save against Alexander Ovechkin made it so that the Penguins could continue to be the Penguins and the Capitals would remain the Capitals, going all the way back to 2009. If if Alexander Ovechkin scores on that breakaway with 17 minutes to go, just three minutes into the game... Yeah, it could change the whole complexion. It changes maybe everything. Ovechkin's the winner, and, yeah. and the way that they build around him and the way that things have moved going forward and there's not the stigma about losing in the second round hell last year one of the reasons washington lost is because they said they were gripping the stick too tight <laughs> wow that was a bad one because of the pressure that was uh, in their face so that to me yes lidstrom won the championship but if he doesn't make that they don't they probably don't get to a place where he can make that save for the love of god it, i mean yeah there's and he made a save on Ovechkin last year in the playoffs, too. But you're right. That was, to me, the better save. It was the better save. The other one probably means more. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you go back and you look at the, the history, it, the whole record books could be rewritten. I mean, the, if he doesn't make that save, the Penguins probably don't go on to win the Cup that year. And like you said, it's the cap, You know, maybe it's the Capitals that have won two of the last three Cups. You never know. Uh, that, to me, is why... That was 
the biggest save in Mark Andre Fleury's career. Because I'm, I'm not going to count the Lindstrom one. Although, rewatching that about a hundred times today, because I did. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a save. Oh, it's. It, <laughs> I I think a lot of people think like when 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 you look at that. Oh uh, well, there was only two seconds left on the clock. He he really didn't have to make the save. I mean, he literally, if he doesn't make that save, that puck's going in. It's not just, you know, so, uh, a shot at the end of the game. You know, if it went in, time was going to expire. No, I mean, if he doesn't make that save, that puck's going in. When that puck found the stick of a surefire Hall of Famer, yeah. I'm thinking that's in the back of the net, and we're getting overtime here. Yeah. I, I, he buries that shot, and. Maybe he had a little bit of net in the upper left-hand corner and didn't put it there. But at that upper, that moment, you don't have time to think about it. You just got to get it off. And Mark Andre Fleury made the save. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Going to be a weird and exciting night at PPG Paints Arena. I got to go to break two minutes early here because I got to get rid of these freaking hiccups. Vince Cominals along for the ride. Up next, what happened in New Jersey, and how can the Penguins rebound? You're listening to the Crowley Show. Bing. Vince, the communist communal, joining me here on the Crowley Show from the point of Pittsburgh. Vince, I did just get rid of my hiccups. You've got an interesting theory as to why I contracted hiccups in the first place. Yeah, I think you're going through alcohol withdrawal. Could be that. I'm doing a dry February. I've seen this before. It sucks. What, the withdrawal? Yeah. I'm all jittery, but that that's the norm anyhow. <laughs> that's why I drink. One of the reasons. The other reason is because it makes me feel good about myself. But that's something that I'll discuss with my therapist. Vince Commonal joining me here on the Crowley Show. As I mentioned, 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I think seeing the Penguins without Patrick Hornquist in that New Jersey game was about all I needed to know to sign that guy to a contract extension. I think that outside of Malkin Crosby and Kessel, he's the fourth most important player on the team, more so than even Chris Letang. Um, more so than the goaltenders even. I mean, we've seen, not discounting Matt Murray at all, but we saw that the Smith and Jari could fill in and do an admirable job. But there's nobody else on the team that has the skill set that Patrick Hornquist does. Now, they've called up Zach Aston Reese, and he's kind of built in the mold of Patrick Hornquist. But I think that they need to play him in place of Patrick Hornquist, not on the fourth line with Ryan Reeves. It's not going to do any good. I think he played about six minutes the other night. I mean... What's he going to prove in six minutes? The the whole reason that you brought him up is because Hornquist is hurt, and he plays like Hornquist, so get him out there right, in if, the Hornquist role. If they wanted the best player who's who can add the most to the lineup, then you're going to go with Daniel Sprong, I think, at this point. Right. They wanted a guy who plays like Hornquist, who can bring energy like Hornquist, who can go to the front of the net, who can be a pain in the ass. I completely agree with you. Allow him to replace or at least be a facsimile of Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, and this has been a problem with the Penguins for about three different coaching regimes now. They call up these guys from the minors for specific roles, and then they play them on the fourth line yes. for five minutes a night. I mean, that you know, that's kind of what happened to Bo Bennett. I mean, obviously he's fizzled out and it's not even in the league anymore, but even Sprong, when they, when they first called him up, they, they were playing him on the third and fourth line. Eventually he did make it to Crosby's line, but... I don't know if it's like this thing where, hey, you got to prove yourself before we play you on the first or second line, but it's hard to prove yourself when you're only getting five, six minutes of ice time. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, and, and 
it's tough to develop that way, too. Right. I realize it's not very long that he's going to be up here in all likelihood because it's just week to week with Patrick Hornquist. But even so, I'd like to see him play the amount of minutes he was playing down in Wilkes Bay, or at least a little, or at least close to that amount of minutes here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I also don't love Tom Kuhnhawk going up to the second I line. I don't either. I think that his role is best suited for a fourth line. And he's a good fourth line player in this league, and I, I think that he's great on the penalty kill, and he he chips in every once in a while with an assist or a goal on the fourth line, and that's his role. I don't think that he's a top six forward. Zach Aston Reese led the nation in scoring last year in NCAA hockey. I mean, he has the pedigree to to play in, in a top six role, and and I mean, just look at training camp. He was playing with on a line with Malkin and Kessel in preseason games. So why not put him up there? in place of Patrick Hornquist. They, they need that guy to be the four-checker on that line, and, you know, Kuhnhawk will, will do that, but he doesn't have the, the offensive skill set that Zach Aston Reese has. No, absolutely not. So that was one thing I didn't like about that game. It wasn't all that hard to figure out for me, although getting 16 shots on the road yeah, or at home, I mean, pretty bad. that's putrid. That can't happen. I thought this team was past that. In fact, let's address this now. It was a second of a back-to-back. What the F, man? Like, they're playing good hockey. They can continue to play good hockey in that circumstance because they still got a few more on the way. They have a lot more. Uh, they had actually been 5-0-0 five, five, oh, oh in their last set, of, set, the second game of back-to-backs, but for whatever reason, they regressed in, in that last game. And I mean, they looked every bit as bad in that game as they did on the second of back-to-backs earlier on in the season. Yeah, that was, that was one of their worst games of the season against New Jersey. Uh, and again... They had played so well up to that point, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just chalk that one up to, you know, teams have bad games. But the, the 16 shots was a little bit baffling for me because the Penguins have been firing the puck on net from all angles, from everywhere on the ice. I, I, I think that they still lead the league in uh, shots per goal per game, shots on goal per game. And it's not your daddy's New Jersey Devils no, either. They, I mean, they, that team skates. That yeah. team plays. They don't, they don't sit back and trap. Yeah, that that was just really confusing me. I think they had what four shots in the first period Ugh. or something like that. It was it was really just a that part of the game was baffling to me. You know, you could have a letdown in a back to back, and after you've played well in you know the previous ten or so games, but the the shots on goal didn't make any sense to me because that's been such a integral part of their game for the past you know twenty twenty or so games. So yeah, that was a little confusing to me. You ever go to gym class in high school and there was the kid who might not be as talented, but they always play their ass off? Mm -hmm. That's the Devils, and that's Vegas. Vegas does the exact same thing. They've got a collection of pretty good players. They don't really have any great players, but they play really hard. And then when you have to go to Vegas, you get all the shiny lights, and you're getting your ass kicked. Yeah, there's a reason that they have the best home record in the league. I remember I asked Sidney Crosby at the... uh, I want to say it was the 08 or 09 NHL awards. I said, because they were in Las Vegas. I said, yeah. can you imagine an NHL team here? And this is way before anything was ever proposed. And he said, well, there's one thing for sure. They would have the best record in the NHL. And <laughs> he couldn't have been more right <laughs> about it. that. Uh, it's amazing. But that's the thing that's scary about Vegas. They play a playoff style of hockey they do. every night. They roll four lines. I mean, the guys on their fourth line are playing 11, 12 minutes a night. You look at some of the other teams around the league. You know, Ryan Reeves plays four minutes a night. Well, look at their second and third lines. I mean, they're almost interchangeable right. because, I mean, they don't have – there's not there's not a lot of talent separation from no. the, the, the first line to their fourth line. 
No, and that that like I said, that's a scary thing. They play a playoff style of hockey. They're fast, they're physical, and they're scoring goals. I mean, they they, they are scoring a lot of goals, and it, it's all cast off guys. I mean, James Neal, obviously, we know he's a pretty natural goal scorer. I mean, David Perron, he wasn't scoring goals like that when he was here at Pittsburgh. Um, Carlson, he's having the season of his life. Um, Marsh just so, I mean, that was a huge mistake by the Panthers. The oh, my God. Um, I mean, they, they have they do have talent, but like you said, it's more of a collection of guys than, you know, you look at a team like Pittsburgh and there's Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. And so you're a big believer in, in these Golden Knights. I am. I, I really think, I, and like I admitted to you before, I really have a problem. I watch a lot of hockey late at night. And I think that they are the best team that I've seen in the West. Winnipeg is very good as well. But I wonder, Connor Hellebuck, their goalie, I wonder if he's doing it with smoke and mirrors because yeah. he, he has not been a good goalie traditionally. But he's, he's They're really stinking good, though. They are. Did you see Patrick Laine, uh, what he wrote in the Players' Tribune? I, I haven't had a chance to read that yet. No. It was good. It was really good. Hey, guys, look over here. We're pretty freaking good. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. That they Vegas is getting all the Everyone attention. Everyone here thought I was waving at them. Yeah, the, <laughs> that, that's my bad there. Um, but the thing is, Vegas is getting all the attention. Winnipeg, in such a small city, a Canadian city, they're not getting a lot of attention other than in, in Canada. They're really good. I mean, when they beat the Penguins earlier this year, I think they put up eight eight on the Penguins or seven. They that, for, That's for a reason. They're very offensively talented. They are. They have, they have decent defensemen. Bufflin's getting a little bit older. Um, they have Truba back there. But uh, like I said, the, the the main question I have with Winnipeg is their goaltending. Is, is is Hellebuck, like I said, doing it with smoke and mirrors, or has he really found something in his game and really gone up to that next level? Because they're only three points behind Vegas for the top spot. And the they're other, more talented than Vegas. Yeah, they are. Uh, broad talent, they are more talented. Um, but, and then Nashville's right there, too. They're also three points yes. behind Vegas. And they're going to be active, it sounds like, in the trading market. Yeah, they have they have Mike Fisher now, which might actually bump Benito back down to a fourth-line role, which that's a very expensive uh, fourth-line center it that is. they have there. But we've seen it before. You can never have too many centers. Um, I think I think Nashville's all in. I think the, Oh, I think to so, too. See them be very active at the trade. They were rumored for Rick Nash. I mean, don't expect him to score any playoff goals, but, I mean, he's a, he's a good <laughs> player. He would help even out their lines a little bit more, too. Well, we've seen, though, in the past, you know, we saw it with the Penguins uh, in that year. They lost to Boston. Uh, I think it was 2012 or 2013 that all the years blend together. 2013, yeah. 2012 was that Flyers debacle. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, you start adding too many players, and you mess up the chemistry of your team. And, uh, you know, I, we we might see Nashville do that because uh, I I've read like you have that they plan to be very active so we'll see but I think I think Vegas is the best overall team that I've seen in the West but you know Winnipeg and Nashville are right there too I wonder what Vegas is going to do at the deadline it, it's a good question because their their plan all along was to trade these guys to, right to trade James Neal to to trade David Perron. Uh, Marsha shows young enough they they want to keep him. They sure. actually sign him to a, a longer term deal. Um, you know, to trade a Derek England, maybe even trade Mark Andre Fleury because they you know they have Malcolm Subban who's much younger and a very good goalie as well. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you don't you don't want to alienate your your fan base in the first year of your existence by being the best team in the West and then trading all your good players See, yeah, away. Right. I think I think they might want to reconsider and maybe sign some of these guys. I, I think James Neal, uh, Vegas is his kind of city. Uh, 
I think uh, you know David Perron. He's a, he's had a great year. Carlson. I mean, maybe you sign these guys because don't forget. And Vegas, then add to add yeah, to the team. People Ve- want to come out there and play. Vegas has all kind of draft picks that they that they have available to them. They have like five picks in this year's draft in the top two, the first two rounds, or something something absurd like that because of all the. The draft picks they got for, you know, they got a draft pick from the Penguins for guaranteeing that they would take Marc-Andre Fleury. They got a second-round pick, I think, on top of of, uh, taking him. So if I was Vegas, I wouldn't be trading these guys off because, one, you don't want to alienate your fan base in the first year. There's a lot of people. No, it's terrible. There's a lot of fans out there that are novice hockey fans that just wouldn't understand, you know, building for the future and all that stuff. And, And plus for the fact I really think that they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup or at least get to the Stanley Cup final, and why Why would you dismantle that? Look, they're going to make the playoffs. Obviously. Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously. They're, they're not going to fade that much. They're going to find a way to get there. Um, I do think they're probably going to come back down to earth a little bit, but that being said, they're still going to be there, which means they're going to have a shot. Um, teams are going to have to go out there to Vegas to play in the playoffs. I don't think it'll be as much of a home ice advantage because teams are going to have to – uh, just yeah well teams will be out there and it'll be more of a business trip yeah. like they're not going to go out they're not going to they're not going to look <clears> at the strip it's going to be games 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 that's the only thing to focus on so i don't know if i think that they can win the stanley cup i think they're good i don't know if i look at them as stanley cup contender the, the crazy thing is they're in the middle of a six game road trip they start an eight game homestand on sunday it's wild I think they it's it's a really bizarre homestand. They literally play every other day for 16 days, but they uh, they start an eight game homestand, so they still have a ton well, that's of home a way games to, left. And that's a way to I mean they're playing well. They have the the best record. That's a way to get your fan base enthralled yeah. and invigorated to have that long stretch at home, especially the way that they're playing. Uh, they're going to be right there, so it's really hard for me if I'm GM George McPhee mm-hmm. to trade these guys off the current roster and. You know, I'm not a big George McPhee fan. Uh, I think he didn't do enough in Washington with that core. I don't either. And and the fact that he flipped Philip Forsberg was ridiculous to me. Um, So I don't exactly have a lot of faith he's going to do the right thing in this situation. And I actually do think the right thing is go to the playoffs, build equity with your fans, because that's what it's all about. You want people to go to the games, uh, and you want to build a winner. Well, you have a winner in the first year. Allow them to see that winner. And then in the off season, add some pieces, maybe subtract some pieces. But the off season is probably the place to do that. Not now, not the here and now. No way. Yeah, in my opinion, what did they have to lose? I mean, everybody expected, including their fans, that they would be, you know, maybe battling for an eighth playoff spot. Right. Probably not even in the playoffs. So this is all money in the bank right now for them. And I don't, I don't see what they have to lose by keeping these guys around. And like I said, they're built for the future anyway. They have so many draft picks in the next three drafts. I, I don't know why they wouldn't go for it. Do you have to leave, or could you stick around for one more? I can stick around. You sure? Yeah. All right, stick around for one more, because I want to talk about the Penguins at the trade deadline. We spent a lot of time talking about Marc-Andre Fleury, but there's some peeps out there that the Penguins have their eye on. Or maybe not. It's Adam Crowley and Vince Commodore. We'll discuss next. Rob Rossi at 620. It's the Crowley Show.